And it's a beautiful vision. We, we heard it today from the message, so it maybe sounded a little bit different than the way you've normally heard it. But we hear Isaiah talking about a day that's coming, a day when God is going to come and the whole world will be changed. It will look very different than it is now. That imagery, of course, is people going up to Jerusalem and the world for the Israelites was much smaller than the world we have today. But think about that. A day when all the nations of the world go to the mountain of the Lord. He talks about it like a stream, like a river flowing as people all come to worship the same God, all come to sing their praises and to give thanks to God. And it talked as well about how that day will come, there won't be war anymore. We won't play war or we won't teach war. And that the tools of war, the shovels and the, excuse me, the the spears and the swords will be turned into things like shovels and hoes or plowshares and pruning hooks is another way that another translation talks about that. And if there's not going to be war, well, there's going to be lots of other things missing on that day as well, right? No more war means no more greed. No more arguing for fighting for power and for control. No more sorrow. No more tears. No more uh, world where there's people who have and people who have not. Everyone will have what they need. Uh, No more name-calling. No more judgment, no more self-righteousness, no more complacency, no more fear. It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And it also sounds too good to be true, right? And we think, oh, well, maybe that would have been something that they could have hoped for in the time of Isaiah, but we can't do that anymore. It's just too complicated these days. Our world is much too difficult, and so... We put those words aside, except we forget what it was like during the time that Isaiah said these words. There was plenty of war and violence and difficulty and despair to be found. The united, or at one time, the united kingdom of Israel was in so much disagreement and turmoil that it had separated. And there were now two kingdoms, Judah in the south and Israel in the north. And those two kingdoms could not agree on a single thing. And they were surrounded by other kingdoms as well, kingdoms that wanted to be at war, that were constantly trying to pull them in to alliances, political alliances or alliances of power. And so there was plenty of problems, plenty of difficulty, plenty of despair. Yet Isaiah spoke out these words of hope to the people of Israel and to the people of Judah and to us as well. These words that we hear from Isaiah have gone with us down through the generations, and they have been words of hope that have sustained people in dark and difficult times, time after time after time again. Maybe you remember this song, and if you do, I invite you to sing it with me. Gonna lay down my sword and shield Down by the riverside Down by the riverside down by the riverside, gonna lay down my sword and shield. Down by the riverside, down by the riverside. That's an African-American spiritual. It dates to sometime in the mid-1800s, a time when our American, our African-American brothers and sisters lived in, I can't imagine, what it must have been like to live in bondage to slavery. 
to live in a time when the horrors and the inhumanity of slavery were upon them, and not just for a year, but for years, for decades, for generations, they had to live with that kind of hopelessness and despair. Yet over and over again, they found hope. They found it in so many passages of scripture, including this passage from Isaiah. We don't get to choose the times in which we live, but we do get to choose how we're going to live in those times. These days, I think all of us lament the times in which we're living and the difficulty of them. In fact, that might be the only thing that we can agree on is that we're living in difficult times and we wish it were not so. We could make a whole long list of reasons why these are hard times in which we are living and hard times in which to be alive. And, and we could rationalize being despairing about it or disillusioned about it and it would be perfectly reasonable to do so. But we can also decide that we are going to live as people of hope. And when we live as people of hope, it means we live in a reality where we know the good, what the good is that we want. It seems like it's far off or even impossible. But we also hope and trust and believe that that impossible will one day come to pass. We just know it's going to take a little bit longer. To live as people of hope is to look for and to see God at work, even in the midst of the anguish. To live as people of hope is to wonder what it might be like to know that God indeed is going to come and make everything right and turn the darkness and the difficulty of this world upside down. And to hope is to know that that will happen one day. Maybe one day soon, and maybe one day far, far away, but it doesn't really matter when. Because to hope is to know that it will happen, that indeed God will come and the world will be set right once again. To hope is to know that the impossible will one day become the possible. And to hope is to also know that it's okay to have a little bit of doubt or uncertainty from time to time as well. Because uncertainty leads to our wondering. And wondering can lead us to new ways of thinking of thinking and new ways of seeing and new ways of understanding, new ways of being. Because you see, in order to hope, we have to be open to a future that might be very different from what we had in the past and a future that might be very different from what we even know in the present. To be able to hope means to be open to something that we can't even yet imagine. To be able to hope is to know that it's something that might be beyond our own possibilities at the moment. To be able to hope and to have hope means that we can flourish if we first put aside our certainty about the way we think things should be and open ourselves up to the way that things might be. The prophet speaks about turning these swords into plowshares or swords into shovels. And he talks about turning the spears into pruning hooks or to hoes. And we think that sounds impossible. Yet after World War II, military tanks were turned into bulldozers and into tractors. Musicians throughout generations have turned weapons of war into guitars Instruments of music and artists have turned those same weapons into sculptures and works of art. Chemical weapons 
were the forerunner to what we now use today to fight the war on cancer with chemotherapy drugs. And so we wonder, what kinds of spears and swords today might be used for good tomorrow? What would happen if we imagined every day with hope? What would happen if we wondered about a world where there were no refugees any longer because every nation helped every other nation to care for all the people on this earth? Or what would happen if we took seriously those words, equal opportunity? Or what would happen if we wondered with hope about what God really meant when he gave us that charge to keep the earth? in the book of Genesis? Or what would happen if we wondered with hope what it would be like to really love those people that are the most difficult people of all to like? What would happen if we decided we were going to live out our lives fully as people of hope? It was a year ago today that I began my call here at Messiah. And by the way, it was a snowy day a year ago as well. You had been through some times of difficulty and despair, but you had persevered. You'd called a new pastor. And I remember a few of you telling me a year ago that maybe now you could find some hope in this community again. And what a difference a year makes, right? You have remembered what it is like to be people of hope, and you have been living this last year as that people. And because you are people of hope, you have said yes when you've been asked to do something, whether it's to help with the worship or to teach or to join a group of people to learn or to give or to work with a mission team. And because you are people of hope, you have given hundreds and even thousands of dollars this past year to other organizations like the REACH and Partners for Affordable Housing and Disaster Response and Lutheran World Relief. Because you are people of hope, we are closing in on finalizing our capital campaign and we've been updating and repairing things and places all around this building. Because you are people of hope, a couple of weeks ago you stepped up to volunteer at the shelter and that volunteer list was filled without difficulty. Because you are people of hope, you have been inviting friends and neighbors to worship and you have been welcoming those who have stopped by to visit. And because you are people of hope, you have come to visit and you have been coming back again. Perhaps because you understand that this place might be a place that you need and you understand that this place also is a place that needs you. Because you are people of hope. Sometimes the air around here crackles with energy and excitement. That's hope, my friends. That's hope that is in the air. You know what it is like to hope. And because you are people of hope, you are also acting. Because hope isn't hope unless we also put that hope into action. And so that's what you've been doing. You've been doing, as we said, as we lit our first Advent candle this morning. Every day you've been rolling up your sleeves. And together we have been living and serving and giving and transforming everything and everyone around us. Because we hope and because we know and trust that someday the impossible 
will indeed become the possible. That's hope. Gonna lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside, down by the riverside, down by the riverside. Gonna lay down my sword and shield down by the riverside, down by the riverside.